and welcome to episode 123 of Three Bears in a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with tonight. Barry again. And where are we again, Barry, tonight? We are talking over the magic of telephone. This is a very late night. Three Bears? Yeah, very. Very late night for the two of us, in terms of recording a podcast. Yeah, like this, things could get interesting at this time of night, who knows what will happen. Um, but as you're, <laughs> as, as you're at home, are you drinking anything tonight, Before, as you finish your work about an hour ago, are you, are you having a little drink after work? I am, so I'm currently having a rum, a double rum and monster. Nice, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> go hard or go home, come on. Good lord, man, that is not something you drink at home, that's something you drink on a night out at a, at a stag do, not, not something you're sitting around the house watching TV. Good lord. <laughs> it's, it's a calm Friday night drink for me. It's almost like a standard Jakey drink, I think, almost, man. That's something that you yeah. it's like basically rocket fuel. Um, to be honest, I was, because I knew I was coming home and I wanted to kind of watch some things and just get. Uh, unwind from a week of work is like I didn't want to just jump into bed and instantly fall asleep. So, so you, you're, you're falling up. So I, I, your heart is going like a hummingbird right now because you're drinking that. Oh, it's <laughs> hugging like a like a kitten. Now. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So, well, I'm not drinking. drinking no, not today. I'm just doing the, the diet coke. As you can hear, I've got a pretty rancid cough, so I'm trying to clear that and mixing that with medication. Probably not the best idea. Um. So yeah, so we'll be, we'll be quite brief tonight because we are sort of been out and it's quite late on in the day, so we don't want to be up too late. Um, as we'll always start, we'll very quickly we'll start with the Camel Lairds. Yes. Um, and nothing to report, no games due to postponements due to the weather, so very, very, very little. Okay. That's it. Um, they're playing this weekend, hopefully they'll do well, but yeah, no games last week because of the weather. Who are they against this week? I want to say the Ellesmere Rangers, I think. They played them recently and drew two each, but I think they are a better team than them, so hopefully we can get a win. Alright, okay. That's mm-hmm. not too bad. Not too bad, no. So, playing them this weekend, hopefully we do well. Um, but yeah, so yeah. we do, as we always do, we go into some non-cinema viewing. And I think there's only one film both of them watched not at home. Sorry, at home, sorry, this week. Um, it's one I told you to watch. It's something, it's one called, it's a documentary actually. Um, it's on yes. Netflix and it's called Tell Me Who I Am. Yes. Um, the basic premise of this story, I don't want to ruin it because obviously there is quite a twist in the story. Um, essentially, it's two, it's twin brothers. One of them, when he's about eighteen, suffers a brain injury. He crashes his, his motorcycle, I think it is, or his bike. Um, yeah, his motorcycle. Yeah. Motorcycle. He, he basically covers a trauma where he, he can't remember anything about his life, but he can remember he got he, mem- he recognizes his twin brother when he wakes up. That's the one thing he, he sort of recognizes and acknowledges. Um, from that, the brother, the other brother who's not lost memory, starts to help him reconstruct his life by showing him pictures and photos and just generally just filling in the gaps that, that existed in his life. And essentially, that's how he exists for the next like 12, nearly 15 years, I think it is, around right about that. Um, yeah. Until the mother dies, the mother of the two boys dies. And he's the, the boy, who, the, the gentleman who had the, the brain injury, he's obviously generally hurt because his mum's died and, and he's sort of saddened by this. But He's perplexed by his tw- his twin siblings' reaction to it, who basically shows zero emotion towards this. That be correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and because of that, he wants to try and discover why his brother has such little emotion towards his the death of their their, their mother. Um, and from that, the story sort of unfolds and develops, and you you see you, you sort of understand as the film goes on how and why they feel like that. Um, I'll start. I thought this film was. It's dealing with some really, really testy subject matter. You know, um, yeah. not 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 to say what the twist is, but it's definitely it's in the sort of the harder to watch type films. Yeah, this this is definitely not a 
this is a you need to be prepared for what you're kind of wandering Aye. into. You, you, you're going to watch some darkness here. Um, yeah. So, and I thought the film did a really good job of handling that darkness and that just whatever it was so like patiently and so with so much dignity as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, At no point did that ever feel like they were kind of, kind of trying to create a um, uh, At no point did ever feel like they were kind of trying to portray any sort of um, like they're not trying to tell a narrative they're not trying to push a narrative there is a story there to be told yeah, that, and allowing that to be told I think that's ex- a, yeah yeah, yeah that, that's exactly it yeah that's um, exactly what I was trying to say because pretty much the only, there's only two voices in the whole film and that's the two brothers yeah um, you see some pictures of like the families you see some sort of like a bit of archival footage of them and some there's some um, recreations of a couple of scenes when you see about to fill in the kind of gaps but Ultimately, most of the film is just these two guys talking um, and, and mm. telling their story and then talking with each other. Um, and that becomes really difficult to watch them because it, there's one brother's obviously quite angry at the other brother for, for things he's kept from him. Um, and he's trying to understand that, but ultimately he, he, loves, he, he does love his brother, but he just, he, he just understands. The other brother's obviously kind of... He, he's stuck between all of what he did and what he should have done. And I don't know about you, but I was watching it. Obviously, I don't want to spot it for anyone who's not seen it, but I kind of understood... Why the brother did what he did? I, I totally get what his what his point was. You know. To... Oh, I absolutely is. Um, I think to be honest, if you were in the situation, I think you would always rather paint a nicer picture than yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But what actually happened. Be equally, I understand that the the brother who lost his memories, anger at not being able to find this out. You know, yes. you know that it does. You know, it comes to like you know, tell the, the title of the film, tell me who I am. It's like it's something about what happened in your past dictates who you are in the future, and the fact that he was missing that, um, well, probably is is, is tough for him. And I, I, I can totally understand why why he would be angry at missing this out. Um, but generally, I thought it was a really touching, well done documentary that I think should be watched by a lot of people. Um, but it's a really it's a harrowing watch. Uh, it's definitely. I think even. Even down to, I'd say, you certainly have to be in the car. Well, like you told me, you have to be in the right frame of mind to watch it as well. Yeah. It's like you can't just like randomly jump into this movie because <coughs> you end up either switching it back off because you just can't handle the subject matter, or you end up just sitting there feeling shit about your life. Aye. Um, but yeah, it's, it's on Netflix. It's called Tell Me Who I Am. Uh, but, it's a really. Did you enjoy it? I didn't, enjoy, I didn't enjoy it because I think it's a really tough subject matter, but I, I appreciate what they did and how they did it and how they told the story and how they told everything. And I thought that was really, what they did was really amazing. And I've seen a lot of these, like, almost like kind of true crime, true life documentaries that to me seem almost reveling and enjoying telling a nasty story. You know, a lot, a lot of the serial killer ones, I think, really seem to enjoy telling all the nasty details. This film does tell nasty details about things, but it doesn't take enjoyment in telling them. You know, it, it, it tells them because it has to tell them, but it doesn't doesn't take pleasure in it. Uh, absolutely. It's um like like I've said before with the cast serial killer ones, it almost makes them out to be almost like heroes yeah. in a way. I I I the heroes and this one just does not do that with this at all. No. No, definitely not. No, definitely not, no. I, I, I really liked the way it was shot as well. I thought it was kind of very um, 
complementary to the actual like, overall story. Yeah. I felt it didn't it didn't really need very much. It was I liked the fact that nothing took away nothing kind of distracted you from the actual story as well. That's I, what I quite liked about it. Absolutely agree, dude, absolutely agree. It became very much a conversation between these two guys. You know, yeah. and it's it's them sort of exploring that conversation. Um, if you've ever seen a film called what's it called? Ah, oh, it's one with Michael Fassbender, and, he, and it's uh, when he plays Bobby Sands. And there's a scene when it's a, the, the priest and him sitting across a table talking from to each other, and it feels like that. Only the difference is this is like, this is not two actors doing it; it's two brothers doing it, and it felt it, it felt tough to watch at times, particularly that scene when they're yeah. sitting talking to each other. Um, but no, I think I, I really enjoy the wrong word to, to use. But I definitely found it a worthwhile watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The scene that really kind <coughs> really sticks with me at the moment is the the scene when the brother who lost his memory, um, he's got his headphones on and, and he's, he's listening. I'm not going to go too far because I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. But do you know the scene I'm talking about? He's listening to me, brother. Tell details yes. of a story. Yes, yes. That look is quite haunting. <laughs> oh, it's horrifying! Absolutely horrifying. It's it's, it's very tough to watch. Um, that's, yeah. it, that's what we're saying. Like, if you are going to watch this film, be in a certain frame of mind to watch it. Don't don't go into it sort of half heartedly or sort of like looking for something to just kill a couple of hours. It does require not only your attention, um, but it does it, it require quite a lot of your emotion as well in order to actually sort of, um, get through it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah. But it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a low point start in terms of like you know the, the subject matter, but it's very <laughs> worth watching. Moving on to sort of yeah. happier topics, um, it's a very Netflix heavy um podcast this week because that's what I've been doing this week. Um, the film out which has come out I think last Friday, um, is called Dolomite is my name, um, <coughs> directed by Craig Brewer, who directs I know your favourite film Footloose the remake. Um, hustle, and, <laughs> uh, hustle and Flow and a really good film called Black Snake Moan um, this film is about the life of a guy called Rudy Ray Moore do you know who Rudy Ray, Ray, Moore, Rudy Ray Moore is? <laughs> Try say that I know he's fucking tough yeah <laughs> no I have not he is essentially he's sort of like a, a very early pioneer of like sort of freestyle comedy and rap so he, the way he's told his joke was almost like a rap styling this is like well before this is like the 1950s 60s right about then you know, okay. so, so it's very early on in that year. So it's a lot of, a lot, a lot of recent rap art, or any rap artist sort of has used him as a, you know, an influence and, and sort of a predecessor. He's sort of like seen as a godfather of, of the rap styles. So, um, yeah, so that, that, he basically tells these sort of stories. But what he was, he was, he was basically a failing comedian, a failing sort of showman who couldn't get a gig anywhere. And what he did, he went down to the sort of the, the homeless section essentially of, of I think it's Detroit I want to say Detroit but I might be wrong with Detroit where he basically listens to all these sort of old black guys stories of the, them being slaves or their family members being slaves and the sort of the gallows humour that comes from that and from that he creates this character called Dolomite who's a, who's a pimp who talks and tells these stories like from the sort of plantations and from that, the, the character became huge. It's sort of in like, mass, almost like called like an, like an Alan Partridge type character. You know, sort of becomes bigger than the the act, the character, the actor himself, and he becomes more recognisable as that character. And from yes. that, they spun it off into like about five movies, I think it was. 
um, all, wow. kind of, all kind of black exploitation movies, you know, that, that were really big in the, the 1970s. Um, and the film tells the story of him finding this character, understanding this character, making the first movie and how that how the, how tough it was to make that movie and all the craziness of making that movie and then sort of the, the, the decline and the success of, of sort of the character. So in the film you've got Eddie Murphy who plays Rudy Ray Moore or, or Dolomite. And he was a guy who's like really great cast, like Keegan-Michael Key from Key and Peele. He plays like a, a writer in it. Uh, you got Craig Robinson from The Office, the the guy who works in the warehouse. Um, who else we got? We got Titus Burgess from My Name Is Kimmy Smith. Um, Wesley Snipes, Snoop Dogg turns up in it, obviously, because Snoop Dogg turns up in everything. Uh, and you yes. got uh, Divine Joy Randolph. She plays like sort of a, 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 the main female character in it. Um, this is good because what, what I liked about this was, and I did enjoy this film a lot. And what I really liked about it, fact, was Eddie Murphy being funny again you know and it's been so long since Eddie Murphy's been funny you know oh absolutely he's had a lot of kind of like clunkers in his like recent uh, kind of list of movies and stuff that he's done you know just about like he's almost fallen into the Adam Sandler yeah problem, I mean you know take away his Shrek films because that's a that, 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 that's a vocal performance so we can Shrek something different but I'm talking live action Eddie Murphy he has not been funny for me since uh, Bowfinger. Yeah. And that's yeah. and that was and that was nineteen ninety nine. So that's it, it's been it has a twenty years of basically just not being funny. Like it's stuff like you know the the what was it Norbit, which was horrendous. He had the Nutty Professor, which wasn't very good. He had Doctor Doolittle, which was pretty average. He's had nothing but really bad bad movies, and he just sort of. He, he almost went to too much towards that family friendly Eddie Murphy, and it's like, oh Eddie, that's not where you made your money, pal. You know, you were, no. you, you, you're Beverly Hills Cop. You're raw. You know, you're the guy on Saturday Night Live. You know, you were never family friendly. This goes back towards the Eddie Murphy that, that me and you probably watched when we, we finally, you know, we finally got around watching stuff like Raw and and Ludacris and things like that. It's like this really like, oh my god, Eddie Murphy is an app. I mean, some of his comedy doesn't hold up as well now because it is quite. Um, Yes. It can be quite deprecating towards certain people in society. So it's yeah. maybe doesn't quite the same. But you can understand he was huge at the time and that comedy worked. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you can see that it's a time and a place. It's been a time and a place mm. and that's that in his cabinet map. But as rumblings that he's going to come back to stand up. I've heard this as well. Netflix are, are giving him like pretty much a blank check, but. Like, uh, the few things that I've listened to and heard, it's like he is he is potentially going to come back uh, to stand up, which if he does, will absolutely be phenomenal. Oh, Eddie Murphy back in stand up will probably will be like like Led Zeppelin coming back and playing a gig. You know, yeah. he is he is the the comedian's comedian. People that that energy that he brings is massive. I think he would, I think he probably even get the same kind of responses for a uh, um oh, what's his name. Uh, oh, his name's just spelled right out of my head. Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. but bigger than Chappelle. Chappelle doesn't exist without Wesley, uh, without um, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Jesus, man, we're struggling with the names. We're not doing it, yeah. It's, uh, it's late, it's late uh, tonight. Aye, so, um, yeah. but yeah, so back to the film. The film itself, <coughs> all the cast are excellent. You know, they're all good actors, they're all excellent actors. They all bring a lot to each role. The film is very much Eddie Murphy's movie. He is the focal point of the film. But everyone who has this, these little roles in the film, they bring a lot to it, and you begin to really, like you know, pull for them, and you want them to succeed. 
Um, particularly for Divine Joy Randolph, who plays sort of like this overweight woman who's doesn't think she's very fun or, or wants to be funny, but she doesn't because of the way she looks, she doesn't think she can ever go on stage. And the way <coughs> Eddie Murphy kind of brings her out of, his, of her shell and you see her performing, that's what that's pretty awesome. Um, so she gets a really good moments. Everybody else sort of gets some moments. You know, Wesley Snipes plays the director of a movie that they're on, and he just he's basically he's, he is absolutely <coughs> loving playing a bit of comedy for a change, which obviously he doesn't really. I can't remember Wesley Snipes ever doing comedy, so yeah. he's enjoying that. Um, the film itself it does get a little bit sort of muddled in the middle act. It does sort of the, the bit there's a whole kind of section when they're making the movie that they're trying to make. It feels longer than it has to be. You know, it feels like it drags and drags and drags. I think part of that might be because they've got Wesley Snipes, you know, he's like, well, let's use Wesley Snipes as much as we can. Um, yeah, of course. But it did, that bit kind of dragged for me, but mostly I thought the film was well-paced, it moved quickly, it was very, very funny at times. Like I said, um, Eddie Murphy was excellent, He was, and he is the main focal point of the film. And it's a, it's a, genuine, it's a Netflix original, and it's a really good, well-done film, and I've, I've thoroughly dug it. It's, it's, it's well worth a watch if you get a chance to watch it. Cool. Yeah. So, I, I'll, probably, I'll probably try and catch it over the weekend it's like I should, uh, it was on the list for this week but unfortunately time and everything else just <laughs> got by me and unfortunately that suffered yeah no but definitely have a look out for it um, I would give it 7 out of 10 Oh well, wow. okay. Yeah, so good, cool. good solid bit Netflix watch. I, I do kind of like the fact that Netflix are really trying now with their their original content. It's because they know what's coming down the pipeline in terms of everyone having their own yeah. streaming service. It's like they've realised we're going to end up with no content here unless we really start shaking. But more importantly than just making content, they're make, I think they're making better content now. Yeah, absolutely. We've discussed before that some of the movies I've done recently have been very average. This one, same, this step, this same, a step above. And I feel like it's because they're getting better talent to do them. Mm, yeah. Um, Alright, folk, folk are starting to re- uh, realise the kind of draw towards like, places like Netflix. Exactly. There is, there's a purpose to go in there now. Um, yeah. But from that, we want another Netflix film, one that you have seen, um, and it's called uh, The Laundromat. Um, so yes. again, getting to the point of what Netflix is doing, they're bringing better talent on screen. So this is directed by Steven Soderbergh. So Steven Soderbergh is a, obviously a massive name. Directed um, Traffic, Unsane, Side Effects, Contagion, Logan Lucky recently as well. You know, the guy's got huge kudos, Sex, Lies and Videotape back in the day. You know, the guy has done some major films. Um, so that's, that's quality behind the camera, first of all. You know, you put quality behind the camera, that makes a difference, I think, obviously. Um, the plot of this film, it centres around, it was a Panama um, Papers, wasn't it? That's what they're called. That were yes, to yeah, the... that's what I was just about <laughs> to say. It doesn't start off that, like, it's not called that, but as the story progresses and what uh, America and ultimately the rest of the world ended up blowing up as, yeah. it became the Panama Papers and then that's what everyone referred it to. Aye, so it, re- it follows basically um, the story of Meryl Streep's character who loses her husband in a boating accident. Um, and they find out that the boat basically had insurance, but not really good insurance. The insurance had been had been bought and sold through different companies, through different shell companies, meaning that one didn't own the other company, but one did own the other company. It was very, all, all very sort of legal technicalities on, and sort of, sort of like one company would have like say, or one city would have like nine thousand companies registered to it, but they would actually not have any <laughs> company office and things like that. So it's very much all yeah. you know legal legalese and, and shady dealings. Um, it's her yes. trying, to, her trying to uncover this to try and get the money for compensation for her husband. Um, at the same time, the, the two guys who made up the company, whose name I can't remember right now, they are 
um, telling the story of how that came to be and how ultimately how the downfall of this company happens and how the downfall basically affects almost every person of fame and fortune in the world. I mean, politicians around, around the world were heavily affected by this. Um, a, lot of yes. rich, a lot of famous celebrities were hit by it as well because the point the film makes all the way through it is nothing they were doing was illegal, but it was, yeah. ext- it was extremely immoral. Yes, it's uh, it was even I might even be I might even be a wee bit wrong here, but I'm almost certain even our prime minister at the time, uh, David Cameron, even he was involved in it. Not him personally; it was his um, father was involved oh, in it. Oh, his father! Yeah, obviously his father was involved in it. Yeah, but it did like, it did cause like, the prime minister of Iceland to resign. Oh really? Yeah, well, it went deep, man. This this went really deep. Um, so like I said, not illegal, very immoral, and I think Obama says it best towards the end when he says what we've got to do is stop this happen because we've got to shut these loopholes that allow this to happen. But that's essentially that's the film. So it's the uncovering of this sort of very immoral style of banking and doing business. Um, the yeah, film has got... I, I kind of get it that you do need to give big companies heavy tax reductions and all that and other perks to try and lure them to places where they would not normally set up business I totally understand that but see when it gets to a point when you've got like a massive company and they're not paying taxes and stuff and that's just hurting the country that they're sitting in then you have to start wondering like when do do you start taxing them on a lot of stuff Although it's just a thing, you know, that, you know, you probably made, paid more tax this year than, you know, Amazon in Britain. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, or Starbucks or any of these places, you know, they're, they're, they're not paying, t- you know, and it's, they're making, you know, through creative accountancy, they can prove they didn't make any money. And it's like, there's no way that Starbucks did not make money in this country. You know, no. you don't walk because by, you don't walk by these places without seeing them absolutely ram with people. And as we all know, it doesn't, you don't need to be a, you don't need to be a great businessman to understand the logistics of, see if you're not making any money, you wouldn't be in business. Exactly. Every, like you said, every Starbucks is always rambling. Yeah. So, um, back to the film. The film itself, Netflix again put money where its mouth is. You've got a massively, massive cast, a great cast as well. Um, you've got Antonio Banderas and Gary Oldman. They're playing the two guys who ran and um, created the, the company that sort of does all the legal dealing or the, legal, the, the dodgy dealings. Um, also in the film you get Meryl Streep she's trying to uncover the, um, the conspiracy she also plays a, a second role she plays the role of the woman who gets promoted yes. and she's got to sign all the papers and she now owns like 25,000 companies she plays that role <laughs> as well um, you've got Robert Patrick turning up in it as well um, David Schwimmer turns up in it as well um, Sharon Stone Jeffrey Wright so it's a really it's a heavyweight solid cast really really good cast yeah. um, right, I've talked a lot so far what did you think of it? I actually really liked this movie. Yeah. It was a, uh, I, I really liked the way it was done as well. How it kind bounced back between the two guys uh, who were part of the kind company. They were kind of like the <coughs> and also yep. kind bouncing back to the actual kind. The uh, events. Like the, every, the everyday person that was getting like solely affected by all of it. Yep. And then. Uh, yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, really good. It was really well done as well. And then I didn't even I didn't even realise the twist right at the very end uh, yeah. with uh, Meryl Streep as oh. well. I was like, oh, no way. That's cool, <laughs> yeah. Um, is, have you seen the film The Big Shot by any chance? 
Um, it, it's got there's, there's a lot of the big shot in this. Um, there's also okay. a lot of Wolf of Wall Street in this as well, I thought. Uh-huh. And also a lot of um, Vice, which I filmed out um, start of the year. A lot of that in it. So that's as much as I enjoyed. I enjoyed all three of those films separately, and I enjoyed this film, The Laundromat. I really enjoyed it a lot. But because it's trying to kind of almost be all three of them at the one time, I felt its tone got a little bit muddled at times. A little bit kind of. Yeah. It felt a little bit like it was trying to be too much at the one time. Yeah, yeah, I'd, there was moments in it where I kind of started thinking, is this losing its way? But luckily enough, the runtime of it's not particularly long, no, so it managed to kind of just keep keep things going. It managed to keep on the rails, <coughs> keep, keep on the rails mostly. There's a couple of times where it doesn't know well, because to be, it, it almost it overplays the comedy sometimes, or underplays the drama, whereas I think the, the film I mentioned before, um, Big Short, Wolf Wall Street and Vice, they seem to be able to find that line a lot better. They seem to, they seem to know the balance a lot better. And they, and that that makes them, I'm not going to say better films, but I enjoyed those films more than I enjoyed this one. But still very much like this film. Um, I thought all the cast seemed to have been a good time. Seemed to really enjoy the role they were, they were playing. Especially Banderas and Oldman, who are playing the two owners. They seem to have a great time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I, did, I, I did like the, one of the later scenes that they two were in. And um, it was when they were in jail. Yeah. And you think and you think they're wearing prison jumpsuits, and then they come out the cell, and then they put on the jackets and the fedoras and that, Aye. and then you're like, wait a minute, these guys aren't wearing white jumpsuits at all; they're wearing actual like, suits. I wear like tuxedos <laughs> essentially. Um, yeah. Cause of, um, but they said that the lack of cohesion a little bit, so that's a bit of got maybe with the, the, the casting. Um, it what it doesn't do particularly well, I thought, compared to the other films I mentioned before that it's trying to be, I don't think it fully explains what is happening. Mm, you know, yeah, it doesn't. It kind of just jumps into it. I, I did notice, so unless you're quite clued up on what had happened, yes. you do. You might not get a lot of the kind of stuff they're talking about. Aye. I did notice that. Whereas the big shots on Amazon, have we watched the big shot on Amazon if you get a chance? It does a great uh-huh. job of explaining how the subprime mortgage thing, what it is. You know, yeah. The thing that caused the bubble and caused the expo- caused the, exp- the, the bubble explosion and the ultimate decline of everything, it does a great job of explaining how that happens. And I don't feel that this done a good enough job of telling what they were doing was immoral. I mean, everyone can, I think you get from the fact that it's it's not right, but you don't know how they're doing it and why they're doing it and how they can get, and how they can get away with it. It doesn't really explain how they can get away with it quite so easily for so long. Absolutely. You know, so that's yeah. one of our big issues. Um, but like you said, but you did say well, it moves at pace. It's only about a hundred minutes long, give or take. Um, yeah. And it doesn't really stop at any point. It just it keeps battering on, battering on. And because of that, I think you're always consistently enjoying it, and you're not feeling like you're getting bogged down at any point. Yes. I, I found that just a bit random. That, it's just a bit like you could have cut this whole entire like sub story out, and it, <coughs> the film would have moved just along just as nicely. I agree. I get the point they're trying to make and, and what they're trying to show, but I agree yeah. it did feel a bit superfluous to the actual story itself. It felt like it wasn't connected in any way. Um, no, it, th- that that was really the only bit that I found was a bit random and a bit jarring. You yeah. were just about like, why is this even here? Yeah, but it does that. 
it's almost going a little bit Pulp Fiction-y almost, like it's trying to get like these like, so it's trying to be clever by showing like, like a random side story, you know, that you think, you know, that only has a tangential connection to the actual story itself. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, 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 thought, I found the story itself in its own right quite funny and quite clever, but its overall connection to the main piece, I, I thought, felt a bit out of place. I, I totally agree with that, yeah. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a decent movie. It's a good Netflix watch. You know, if yeah, you, you, yeah, get, you, get, you get your home for free, why not sit and watch it? Um, I would give it 7 out of 10 yourself. I think I'm going to join you on that one because as much as I enjoyed it, it did have moments where I was a bit like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Let's just keep going. Keep going. If you, yeah. if you can get a 7 out of 10 film in your house for free, I mean, why? It's. it's it's not a bad way to spend an evening entertainment or a couple of hours entertainment, you know. That's that's yeah. pretty solid. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, so I actually quite enjoyed that film. Um, last film we talk about, which you haven't seen, but we'll talk about it anyway very quickly, is one that's out in the cinema just now. Um, I went and saw it a couple of nights ago. It's called Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. To, uh, to be honest, I probably should have actually like, texted my sister to ask my nieces what they had thought of this movie <laughs> because they went and... They went and seen it on Halloween instead of giving out uh, Halloween bags and stuff. A much better way to spend your night. Um, Absolutely. Directed by a guy called Joachim Ronning, who direct who only our real major credit has been he co-directed Pirates of the Caribbean: Salazar's Revenge, which was not a great pirates film, but it yeah. was a, it was a pirates film. And the plot of this film is it follows on from Maleficent, obviously, um, and it this time. Sin, is it Cinderella? Sleeping Beauty is the main character. So Sleeping Beauty has um, called Aurora, apparently. Aurora. Aurora. Um, she is getting married to the king, the prince of the basically the, the nation that lives next to the, the forest people. Um, and that will be an alliance that will bind the country together. But the stepmom, who is very evil, wants to basically entrap the forest people and take them over and use all their resources and kill all the fairy folk. Um, and with that, Angela Jolie, as Maleficent, is trying to stop that. So she's essentially good in this film. Um, and that's basically the plot of the film. In the film, like I said, Angela Jolie plays Maleficent, Elle Fanning plays Sleeping Beauty, Sam Riley plays Angela Jolie's henchman, um, and you've also got Michelle Pfeiffer, Chipbill Edgefor, Ed Screen and Juno Temple and it's again a really good solid cast of people in it you know it's not a bad cast at all and I don't remember liking the first one that much like I didn't I thought I liked I liked Julie in it I thought Julie was decent enough in it and, and she it seems to be all about her being you know this character this film itself I actually quite enjoyed it like it, it's a it's a really decent fun sequel um, that moves the characters along in an interesting way doesn't feel like it's repeating the previous film and in a world right now where all we're getting is Disney remakes like Aladdin, like The Lion King, like Cinderella, like Jungle Book, where all it seems they're doing is remaking the original film, Maleficent yeah. takes something you kind of know with the Sleeping Beauty story, but gives it a twist and gives it another angle. You know, you come at it from a slightly side, like a sideways view, and because of that, I enjoyed it shit tons more. Because it's not, it didn't feel like it was just, repeat, it didn't feel like it was just repeating what I'd, what I'd seen before. So if Disney was to do more of this stuff, like actually do. Take the stories, by all means, take the stories that we know and love, but just tell a different way. Yeah. I'm totally for that. Like, if, if you told me the Lion King story from the point of view of, I don't know, fucking Timon and Pimba, I'd, I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah, because then, I think then you would feel 
that you were getting, like either your money's worth, or you would feel like you were actually like not wasting your time. But, oh. uh, but the fact that it's one of those things where you're sitting there like, um, I think I ended up not going and seeing the remake of The Lion King because it's one of those things. The original Lion King is quite dear to me, so I'm like, I don't yeah. want to like paint it oh. with this new one, which I'd heard really mixed reports about. So yeah. I was just a bit like, I think I'm just gonna miss it and then pretend it never existed. Yeah, everyone I've spoke to who's got kids who's taking their kids to see these films because they think, right, we, we I love this, I love these films when I was a kid. I take to see the remake and, and they'll love it as well. They've, yeah. they've come out and said, I wish I'd just shown my kid the remake. Oh, oh sorry, the original. Yeah. Just watch yeah, the original. The original yeah, yeah. Because the remakes just don't seem to hold up at all. They seem very, they, they lack a heart and all that. So this one doesn't, this one, because it's not a remake, it's it's yeah. a, it's taking a story, you put it at a different angle. It works. It, it, it's completely fun. It's enjoyable. There's enough comedy in it. There's enough action. There's romance. There's a lot about everything in it. Some of the plot lines of whole like political intrigue might go over younger kids' heads, you know, because there's a lot of stuff when you're going like, oh, that seems awfully prevalent to this day's society, but also, I don't know if an eight-year-old's picking up on that, you know? But eight-year-olds are more woke now than we ever were, so maybe they are picking up on it. Um, <coughs> do a lot... I, I never seen the first one. Um, do a lot of characters, apart from Angelina Jolie, obviously, is there a lot of uh, actors and actresses that carry over? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much the only new actor in the film is Michelle Pfeiffer, the guy playing the king, Chippo Edge of Four and Edge Screen. The rest of them are all sort of they've been brought back from the from the original films, which is quite nice to see them all back again. Um but it is very much Jolie's film. She is a, she is front and centre of everything. Um El Fanny who plays Sleeping Beauty or Aurora, she's probably the weakest thing in the film for me. She was quite sappy and a little bit too wet as a character. You feel like, oh you know, you need to be maybe just crack a smile, you know, um or Maybe, maybe a wee bit more of a nod and a wink to the camera, because Jolie's playing it with a real nod and a wink to the camera. She's playing it as as a, a proper Disney character, whereas the Elle Fanning, she's, she's playing it very, like way too straight as a character. You know, and he's a little bit more sort of like knowing nods to what she is. Um, but she's she's fine. She's fine. The film itself struggles in the final twenty minutes because it takes way too long to end. You know, it it, uh, it it leads in really well. It builds to something, and it has a great kind of build and, and a great kind of conclusion. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. And then it ends. You think, oh, it's ending. That's cool. And then it ends again, and it drags, and it drags, and it drags. And it took like a good twenty minutes longer to end than it really should have done. You know, it could easily end with a really really quick voiceover, but it had to show the wedding. It had to show this. It just felt like, oh, you could like we could cut this a little bit shorter. But as a film, I I was totally fine with it. It was only for a bit, just just like just shy of two hours. Just shy of two hours. I was, I was totally fine. I, I was, in, I was watching it and enjoying it. So, yeah. really, no complaints about it at all. Um, give it a very solid six and a half, maybe seven out of ten. You know, totally watchable film. Kids will like it. Grown ups will like it. Your granny will like it. It's, it's one of those yeah. films. It's, it's a good, solid family movie. That I think Disney can still do better than anyone else. And yeah. it's just nice to see a little bit. Of, it's not. It doesn't have to be totally original from start to finish. Bit a little bit of originality in it, and this had a little bit of originality in it, and, I, and for that, I enjoyed it a lot more than any of the Lion King, Aladdin, Jungle Book, Sleeping Beauty, not Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella ones that they've, they've had out, you know, over the last four or five years. Here's a question for you, since we're still on the subject. Yeah. Why is Disney re? Is it is it just simply Disney remaking the timeless classics for a new generation yes what, what is the whole thing about what Disney remake? used to do people forget this what Disney used to do back in the day right is 
they didn't remake films back in the day, but what they do is re-release them. So Snow White uh-huh. came out in like 1930-odd, okay? That yeah, film was yeah. in the cinema every 20 to 25 years again, re-released. For for the, the, pay, the kids who saw it, to take their kids to see it, to take their kids to see it, to take their kids to see it. Now uh-huh. they decide, rather than just doing that, we're going to remake that film. You know, <coughs> and get an audience that way. Then we'll remake that again, and we'll just keep remaking these films. That's, it's always been Disney's model, was either to re-release uh-huh. or remake, so they've never shy away from doing it. They've done it for pretty much the last nearly 100 years. That's been Disney's yeah. model to just rehash the same story again and again, but sometimes just re-releasing the same film. And what's really even more amazing is Disney's cast of characters, they don't own their characters. Oh. Like, they own Mickey okay. Mouse, right? So anything yeah. that's Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Goofy, they don't own Sleeping Beauty. They don't own Cinderella. They're classic stories. Yeah, I, of course. They're in the public yeah. eye, so... They own Ariel if she sings, what's Ariel's big song? Part of your world. Part of your world, right. So if she sings that, that's Disney. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you want to make a Little Mermaid film, you can go make a Little Mermaid film all you want. Just don't do the things that are Disney for it. You can make a Cinderella film all you want as well. Just don't do Three Door Mice, essentially. Um, okay, okay. So that's, that's what's, you know, so it's really, so... They make money by re-releasing their old films and remaking their old their old ideas, and that's they've done it for years and years and years, and it's proved to be a what business model. They've made them a lot of money. Of course, yeah, of course. But oh. Maleficent, Mystery of Evil, I'll say seven out of ten as well. I'll give it seven out of ten. I thought it was absolutely fine, absolutely enjoyable, and I, I dug it. Alright. Not not my favourite film of the year or anything like that, but totally is cinema. Watchable cinema, watchable family fun cinema, and the good a good family film is something to be enjoyed. I think sometimes. Yeah, of course, of course, it's kind of sometimes it's kind of lacking in the cinema. Sometimes, yeah, just it's a constant. Every now and again, it gets clogged up with like superhero movies. It's, it's nice just to kind of take a step back and just have nice family friendly movies once in a while. Exactly, exactly, and for that, totally applaud it. Um, that's all I've seen this week. I think you're pretty much the same. So. Next week, yeah, it's been a quiet week. Next week, we're going to catch up on all the cinema stuff. The call will be back next week, and he's going to tell us all the stuff he's seen recently. So we'll have, we'll finally have a, a talk about Terminator Dark Fate, which I've not oh, seen God. yet, but I heard interesting things. We've got Doctor Sleep out as well, which is the follow up to The Shining. You know, four yeah, I, I only, sorry, I didn't even look into it to be honest. There's a guy at my work was telling me that that's um, it's a young boy from the original movie going back yes. to the house. Dan. Which kind of intrigues me. Yeah. I was kind of going to skip it by, but I'm kind of suddenly back in, back into it again. What's going to be intriguing about this film is what version you're going to get, because if it falls on from the original Shining, Stephen oh. King hated the Shining movie. Oh. Like, detested it, like, was, was vocally unhappy with it. So much so wow. he, made, he made his own version of it in a TV movie, like, about 20 years later. You know, he, yeah, he yeah. was never shy about admitting that he hated the Kubrick version of the Shining. So I want to know as the Doctor Sleep guy, who directed a guy called Mike Flanagan, he is very much a, a King, a Stephen Kingite. You know everything he's done so far. Is he done that Gerald's game one, the one where the girl, where the girl handcuffed to the bed? You know you've seen that one. Yeah, yeah. So he's very much in the Stephen King world. He is a massive King fan. So I'll be interested to see how they marry the two together, like make a make a a, a, a film that's a sequel to The Shining, but also more true to the the Stephen Kingness of it all. So that's intriguing. Um, we've got the Aeronauts, which is out, which is all about 
people in balloons try to find out the weather back in 18th century France, which actually looks stunning to watch. Um, I'm actually quite intrigued to see it. Um, we've got Sorry We Missed You, which is all about sort of the welfare system. It's um, directed by Ken Loach. It looks like a really hard, tough watch, but one of those kind of worthy watches again, you know. Yes. Um, After the Wedding, which so it's like a very sort of, it's, it looks a very interesting film. It's got um, Michelle Williams and Juliet. Oh, it's Juliet Lewis? No, it's not Juliet Lewis. Juliana Moore. Um, and there's sort of like there's some intrigue regarding past relationships and someone might have slept with someone and who knows what's happening. So it's all very, looks all very dramatic. Um, and I'm pretty sure Michelle Williams won the Golden Globe for it. So clearly good acting in it. So that's out as well. And also still get out the abominable film, the one about the big yeti, which I think looks quite cute. I'm trying to see that as well. It's a shame that it's uh, uh, abominable is going to miss this year's uh, Christmas TV window. You think so? Um, Ain't it a bigger yeah, one for I Christmas watching? So. Unless, like, for some mad reason, they rush it and get it onto like, Sky Cinema they or won't. something. They won't. They won't. They won't. Nah. Nah. But it, look, it looks very sweet. It looks very, I mean, I'm. It, maybe the guys down could Joe and the Two Strings. Could and the Two Strings. Mm. And I really like that film, so I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, also out on Netflix, the new Netflix release this week is called The King. Um, it looks like a big, massive sort of historical epic with a really good cast. Um, have a look for that one, it looks really good. But other than that, Barry, where, where can people find us? All the usual social media haunts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, come and harass us, and we'll generally probably more lately harass you back. Yes, we shall. Uh, at Three Beers and a Movie. Thank you very much. Uh, but that's us for this week. I've been Richard, you've been Barry. And you've been listening to Three Beers and a Movie.